Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Today we're going to come to the end of this study in Hebrews. A study that continually pointed back to Jesus as our great high priest. Uh, Today uh, we'll get a chance to look at that again. And today is, uh, we're celebrating International Orphan Sunday. Last Sunday was actually International Orphan Sunday. Uh, But we're going to celebrate that a little bit more this morning. We're really glad that um, you're here. The Bible makes a big deal out of the care for widows and orphans. Um, And so this message will be interactive. So I'm going to look for you guys to participate a little bit today. Is that okay? Sometimes I stand up here and talk and you guys listen. Today I want to invite you to participate a little more than we normally do. Does that sound good? (laughs) Everybody ready? Except for Jonathan. (laughs) I see you, Jonathan. (laughs) I'm going to invite you to participate a couple times in this message this morning. So uh, let's, let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. It's a bit of a blessing that the writer of Hebrews uh, uses here at the end of his letter. He says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good, for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the God of peace. This is who our God is. It is who he was. It is who he is. It is who he will be, the God of peace. In the Old Testament, we meet the God of peace Uh, In Judges chapter 6, an angel appears to Gideon, and Gideon builds an altar. He's so blown away, he builds an altar. This is Judges chapter 6, verse 24. Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and there called it, The Lord is peace. And to this day it stands, he says. In his benediction to the church at Rome, Paul writes these words, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, Romans 16, 20. And you'll remember these words, I'm sure, from Isaiah chapter 9. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that's what Jesus does Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and Jesus makes a way for each one of us, for you and me, to live in his peace and reflect his peace to the world around us. One more passage I want you to hear from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. Jesus himself is our peace. Jesus himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. He's talking about us. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace 
to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Through Jesus, we can learn to live at peace with God and he with us. For Jesus is our peace. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, a new humanity was formed. This is amazing. This is staggering. He's not just saving people. He's not just rescuing people from hell. He's creating a whole new humankind on this earth. It's called the church. A humankind that would then carry this message of peace into a chaotic world. And here's our charge, according to Paul, as he writes to the church at Corinth. This is from the message paraphrase. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 20. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once, and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and we see is that... And what we see is that anyone united with Messiah gets a fresh start. He's created new. The old life is gone. A new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us The task of telling everyone what he's doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. We are speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God, for he is already a friend with you. And Paul writes, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's God of peace. God gives us this new life of peace in Christ as part of this new humanity under heaven. He gives us a portion of himself. He now dwells in the life of every believer, and in his church, he gives us his peace, not the peace the world gives. He gives us his peace. And then he sends us out as his representatives to a chaotic world to preach peace, to be peacemakers, speaking for Christ himself. I'm not sure what your Thanksgiving looks like. Uh, Maybe you're starting to get a little anxious about who's going to be sitting at the Thanksgiving table. Or maybe you're getting a little bit anxious as to who's not going to be there. And maybe there's reasons they're not there. Maybe there's reasons you're not going to be there. As you consider the week ahead, is your heart and mind at peace? Uh, Maybe like us, um, some of you are going to see family. uh, Maybe family that doesn't quite believe the same as you. Or maybe you aren't going to family because peace has been shattered Or maybe there's been real loss, like Heather mentioned a moment ago. Maybe there's been real loss. And this season feels way more like grief than it does peace. Let me just 
ask you a quick question. Is it possible to live in God's peace in the midst of these things? In the midst of loss or loneliness? Is it possible to live in God's peace when there's a breakdown in the family, when the family's been scattered? Is it possible for you and I to live in his peace? Yes. According to the passage we just read a moment ago in Hebrews 13, the great shepherd of the sheep will equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Being shepherded by him, being strengthened and encouraged by Jesus, we have the power right now to live on earth as it is in heaven for his glory and for our good through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Regardless of the circumstance, he is the God of peace who calls us to reflect his peace to a lost and dying world. And the God of peace gives us a couple of places to start. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 26. James 1, verse 26. I mentioned that uh, we're celebrating International Orphan Sunday here this morning. I think we celebrate Orphan Sunday every Sunday. Uh, but this year, uh, today's the day we're celebrating it formally. The Bible makes a great deal out of the care of orphans and widows. I think you guys probably know this. Did you know that one of the great conflicts in the church, actually one of the first conflicts in the church, in the very first church, the first church actually had conflicts. Uh, you can read all about this conflict in Acts chapter 6. One of the first conflicts in the church was over the care of widows. One group of new converts felt like their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And this is a really big deal. And it actually becomes a turning point of how the church is going to be set up and how the church is going to be led and how the church is going to be loved. It's a really big deal. In fact, it's set up in such a way, the church is set up in such a way from the very beginning that there is specific and intentional care for widows and orphans. James, who was leading the church at the time, would later write these words, James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Caring for widows and orphans is always a priority for people of faith. It's always the call and it lies close to the heart of the God of peace. If you have your Bibles, flip back all the way to Exodus chapter 22, verse 22. We're going to find some really, really strong words, like some really, really hardcore words here. Every once in a while, when, Jesus, when uh, God starts um, talking about people he loves, he some kind, sometimes can use really, really strong language. And we're going to hear some really, really strong language from God. Exodus 22, 23, and 24 has to do with the treatment of widows and orphans. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. For if you do, and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry, and my anger will be aroused, and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. I think God's pretty serious. 
when it comes to the care of widows and orphans. But listen, guys, when the Hebrew prophets spoke of widows and orphans and strangers, they're talking about real people. They're not archetypes or frames or ideas or uh, uh, some kind of crazy uh, lens. They're real people. A woman whose husband has died. A child who's alone. A person who's not known. They're real people. Maybe with less power now. And they're at risk. And maybe isolated. The prophets are talking about human beings who we would encounter walking to the market or home from the synagogue or delivering goods, maybe. All throughout scripture, we find God, the God of peace, calling out for the care of widows and orphans. It's as if the God of peace has decided that we need to get to know these guys. Maybe that widows and orphans are not just people for us to care for, but for us to be cared by widows and orphans. Maybe, just maybe, that God has decided widows and orphans are our most trustworthy guides on this earth. I want to just point out one passage of scripture in Mark's gospel about Jesus as it relates to widows. If you have your Bibles and you want to flip over to Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44, I want you to check this out. Jesus is talking here with his disciples. Uh, Mark 12, 41 through 44. I love this. So they're at the temple and Jesus sits down opposite to the place where people are putting in their offering. And he's watching the crowd put into the temple treasury, right? And many rich people are throwing in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples, Jesus says to him, pointing at that widow, this is the example, guys. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Jesus points out this widow as our guide. As our model, he says to the disciples, like this, like this, guys, like this. In our care and concern for the widow and orphan, we have a lot to learn from the widow and orphan. It's another example of exquisite mutuality. It's not just our care for them as it is about their care for us. Well, you probably know this, but sanctuary is pretty busy as it comes to caring for widows and orphans. And I want you to hear about a couple of people who have been really busy caring for widows and orphans and the stranger. So I'm going to ask Carly to come and join me here. Katie Gleason and Evelyn Shirley, you guys come, come up here and, and help me out with this part of the, of the message. Y'all, come on. Would you guys give them a hand? These gals. I'll give you number one. Katie, you want to take that one? You guys uh, know Carly Bieber. Um, she just led us in worship. I'm so glad you're back and leading us in worship. Thank you, Carly. And Evelyn Shirley just led us in our call to worship. Uh, Evelyn's uh, a high school student, uh, uh, just graduated from high school, high school student. And Katie's a high school student also. Just kidding. Uh, you guys know Katie Gleason. 
at heart, yes, uh, you guys know Katie Gleason. These guys have been working uh, with widows and orphans in the past. And so I just wanted uh, to invite them up and give them a chance to share with you guys a little bit about what they're doing and practically to invite you in, to invite you in to, to what we're doing around here. So Katie, you, let's start. Uh, you've been working with widows and orphans for a really long time. So talk a little bit about the initial call um, to widows and orphans and this idea of mutuality, how your faith has matured and deepened as you've ministered to these guys. Tell, tell, tell us all about that. So, oops, Is it on? Um, there we go. My parents adopted me when I was an infant from Bogota, Colombia. Um, but when I reflect on my story, what I think about is how, when the Lord formed me in my mother's womb, how he knew at that time that adoption would transform my life, but not just my life, the lives of people all the way in Ethiopia. When we were in the process of adopting Kennedy, um, she was severely malnourished, and before we could bring her home, she went to be with Jesus. And that broke our heart, but that was our call, to continue to adopt, but it transformed my life, it transformed my family's life, and it's transformed women and children in Ethiopia. And as we have been working with these orphans and widows for over 10 years now in Ethiopia, there have been so many different seasons, seasons of bringing our kids to a country and not knowing where they were gonna go to school or where we were gonna live. Um, seasons of trust and faith um, seasons of coming alongside these women. You know, I have learned so many things from these women as I have been in that country to serve them, how I grew and what the Lord did in me and the faith that I had to have um, to do that. Um, I cry just thinking about what he provided for me and, and how I have matured and how I have grown as I came alongside, as I went to serve and what he did in me and in my family through this. Um, and even now, is, it's another season and he is def definitely pulling and stretching me in ways where I have to lean on him. And so leaning on him and trusting him and knowing that he is my father and that he's going to provide is kind of where I am now. And, and he's growing me in that. Love that. I love your story. My life has changed because of your story, that's for sure. Carly, you came back from Guatemala last Saturday. When did you come back? Yes. Was it last Saturday? Yes, last Saturday. I'm so glad Saturday. you're back. Thank you. you for coming back. <laughs> <laughs> tell us real quick, tell, us, tell these guys a little bit about the orphanage and a little bit about your role. Tell us about it. Yeah, yeah so the orphanage is in Santiago, Atitlan, Guatemala. Guatemala is closed to international adoption, so only Guatemalan citizens can adopt from there. Um, so the complex has three homes and a school. I mostly stayed at Esther House, which is a home for girls who have been sexually abused um, and are the most resilient people that I have ever met. Mm. <laughs> um, my daily tasks there were kind of all over the place a little bit, but I would teach English, teach music, I would be a standby house parent, help with homework, um, make sure medicine was given on time, and just whatever they needed. Yeah. Um, 
you ministered to a bunch of people there. Talk about how they ministered to you. Yeah. Um, the Lord definitely changed my heart of prayer. Um, and just as much as we need to be praying for the healing of these kids and the restoration that God is doing, we also need to be praying for the healing and restoration of the ones who hurt them. So the, I was praying for, this didn't happen until the last day I was there that my heart changed towards them, but praying for the abuser, praying for the rapist, because surrendering it to the Lord, the Lord's the only one that can heal both of them. So that was a main thing the Lord did with me. Um, also, the work is very mundane sometimes. Mm. It's not always as heroic as we would think it is, <laughs> but sometimes it's just helping with math homework. And sometimes that's enough because the kid feels cared for. And so ultimately, I think that God is better at orphan care than we can ever be. Mm. And he's just as involved in healing and deliverance, and he is just as involved in math homework. And he's better at it than I could ever be. Wow. Thank you. Uh, math homework is uh, not very fun. I think a lot of ministry is just that. It's just in the mundane. It's just showing up and doing math homework with kids. And then I think it's crazy, crazy to get to that place where you're able to pray for somebody who's actually hurt a child. Um, thank you for leading the way. Thanks for sharing that testimony with us. Evelyn got a chance to be a part of our student ministry, or is a part of our student ministry. This summer, our student ministry had a thing called Mystery Week. And these students signed up not knowing exactly what they were getting themselves into. And Evelyn was one of those that signed up and said, I'm, I'm up for, mi for, for Mystery Week. Uh, it was a week where uh, we served our local community. We served uh, some fo folks in our faith family. And Evelyn got the chance to share a couple of times. And one, um, Troy was telling me about a chance that you got to share Evelyn with some kids from the Calvary Children's Home right down the street. I think you guys met them off-site, but... Tell us a little bit about being with those kids and a little about the devotional you shared that day. Can you talk about that? Um, I can't even begin to describe how amazing it was to spend time with these kids and kids that have come from all different circumstances and really, really hard places. And meeting them showed me that they know love almost better than anyone. And they're such beautiful people, and they're following Christ with their entire hearts, and they form such an amazing community, and we got the honor to join in their community, and we got to share a meal with them, and I did get to share a devotional. Um, I told them about my experiences when I was first saved, and how scared I was to open the Word, because I was so afraid that God was going to give me something that I couldn't handle, <laughs> um, and something I wasn't ready for, and instead, I opened the Word, and God gave me Psalms 4, 8, which is, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And that's exactly what I needed to hear, and God wow. knew that. And it was just my testimony of how God always provides. And I walked up there really nervous and shaking, and I did feel a little bit like God had given me something I couldn't handle, but I walked away with complete confidence in the Holy Spirit. Wow. And meeting those kids was so amazing. And that's time really cool. So you got to say it a little bit slower. Uh, Psalm 4, 8. Yes. <laughs> in peace, I lie down. You just say it a little bit slower. So okay, Psalms 4, 8. Yeah. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Wow. And it's true. <laughs> it is true. It is true. So uh, what are you doing? Talk about this. We read this verse about how God's equipping you. Talk a little bit about how God's equipping you in the places you find yourself today, Evelyn. 
I think God still equips me in the same way he did the first time that I truly opened the word to really read it. And that's just by telling me the truth mm-hmm. and by showing me his character and reminding me who he is. Because in this world, I mean, there's so many lies and Satan is working so hard. And we have to go into the world every single day and be a part of those lies. And we're in the world, but we don't belong to the world. Yeah. And so the way God equips me to go into the world every single day is by reminding me who he is, that he is a God of peace, that he's a God of love, that he's a God of patience and forgiveness, that he's a God of grace and mercy. And that strengthens me to go into a world of lies, knowing the truth and knowing yeah. who he is and who I am in him. <laughs> Amen to that, Evelyn. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you guys, give these guys a big hand. You guys stay right here for just a second. Amen. I just want to pray this over y'all. Would you guys just join me? just want to pray this psalm. God, would you just give these guys your peace? And in peace, would you help them lie down and sleep? These, these three. And those that these three minister to in Ethiopia and in Guatemala and right down the street, would you give your world peace? For you alone, Lord, make us dwell in safety. We pray peace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. I'll take that one back. I need that one for just a second. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. We'll um, jump back into Hebrews 13 for just a couple minutes. Um, I want you to, we're going to back up a little bit from where we were. Check out uh, verse 17, 18, and 19. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be a benefit to you. For that would be no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. We don't know who the writer of this letter is, but... He knows these first readers of Hebrews and they know him and he's asking them to pray for him that he can come be back with them. But he also gives a real clear challenge or encouragement, maybe maybe even an exhortation. And that is for the church to submit to their leaders. As churches were being planted in the New Testament... As churches were being formed, there was always shepherds or pastors who were called to lead and love this processional of peace. In most churches, there were leaders who were put in place to lead the way. And that's what the writer of the Hebrews is talking about here. He's saying to the readers, and he's saying to you and me, I think, follow your leaders as they lead the way. For they, we, I, are ultimately accountable for you and for the ministry of the local church in the neighborhood and in the nations. Sanctuary is set up that way. We have a bunch of folks, elders, we have a bunch of guys that have said, I'll lead the way. I'll grow to live in God's peace and I'll be a proclaimer of God's peace beginning in my home and then to the ends of the world. 
This morning, we get to live into this passage, this part of the scripture, by installing a new elder on our team. That's Alan Shank. This is an important moment in the life of our church, and this is where I want to invite you to participate. This is a public moment. It's one not just for you to watch. It's one for you to participate. So would you guys uh, welcome Alan Shank up here? Come on, Alan. I got you one right up here. Come on up. Have a seat. Let me give you the mic. Okay, here we go. In the New Testament, as I mentioned, as churches were formed, uh, pastors, elders, overseers are set apart for the ministry of the gospel. While all of us are called to carry out the Great Commission, there were certain individuals within every body that were set apart based on their character and their giftedness, and they were appointed and commissioned to uphold the spiritual responsibility of an elder or pastor or overseer. I just want to give you one example of this in the New Testament. Acts chapter 13, uh, as they're planting churches, um, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed hands on them and they sent them off. That model is followed throughout the New Testament, and that model is still in practice today. So this morning, we're going to commission and appoint Alan as elder at Sanctuary. Alan's been through the nomination process in conjunction with our elder team and you, the congregation. He meets the criteria of Titus chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. Alan, uh, you've been faithful in this journey, gotten up really early and listened to all of our crazy questions, and you've been honest and open with us. You've come to a really cool point in your sacred journey. You have been called, and your calling has been confirmed, and we're grateful to commission you to serve in the ministry of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to challenge you, Alan with the same words that Paul challenged the elders at Ephesus and with the words that Paul challenged, or excuse me, Peter challenged the elders in the churches of Asia Minor. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, keep watch over yourself and all the flock for which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. First Peter 5 one through four says this, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Alan, this faith family needs this from you. 
There has never been a time of such unrest and unknowns in the world as there is today. There's never been so much fear or apathy, even in the church and in this neighborhood than today. So we need you to live out your faith boldly and courageously. We need you to lead us with humility and transparency. And most of all, we need you to love us. We need you to love us, not with an earthly love, but with the love that comes from Christ Jesus himself. This congregation needs this from you. They may not always want it from you, but this congregation needs it from you. We need it from you. I need it from you. And because we so desperately need this truth, we're going to commission you. And I'm going to ask you to vow to us that you will keep this charge. You ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Will you carry out this biblical charge of preaching and teaching the word of God? I will. And will you be faithful in prayer, in the study of the Holy Scriptures, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, continually rekindle the gift of God that is within you? I will. And will you do your best to pattern your life in accordance with the teachings of Christ? I will. Will you, in the exercise of your ministry, lead people of God to faith in Jesus Christ, to participate in life and work the community, and to seek peace, justice, and freedom for all people? I will. I got a couple more. <laughs> I know it's a lot. Fire away. Will you be loyal to the belief statements of this church, defending it against all doctrines contrary to God's holy word, and committing yourself to be accountable to this congregation with those serving with you and to those who are appointed to supervise your ministry? I will. And here's the last one. Will you serve joyfully, living a life of love and grace, proclaiming the good news of Jesus until he returns? I will. May God, who has given you the will to do these things, give you the grace to perform them. The work that he has begun in you will be brought to completion. Faith family, you have a part in this. I said that we were all gonna participate. I wanna invite you into this. I just read this passage. I wanna read it one more time. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account do this so that your work will be a joy that their work will be a joy not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you so i'm going to ask you a couple questions and if you will i will ask you to say it out loud we will we get to that part here in just a second you ready okay here we go three questions i'd like to challenge you faith family of sanctuary Will you commit to serve with, these, uh, with Alan here before you? And will you commit to pray for him and with him? And thirdly, will you, in humility, follow Alan as he follows Christ? If you will, say, we will. We will. We will. Well, I'd like to invite Matt Hambrick, one of our elders, uh, to pray a prayer of installation and commissioning over Alan. Dan Baker is here, as, in Brandon, as is Brandon McIntyre. They're also rejoining our team after a season of sabbatical. Mike Moult is also going to rejoin our team. He's not with us this morning. 
I want to invite these guys up, but I also want to invite Alan's bride up. Cecilia, come on up here with us. We'd love to have you join us. And if there are other elders and elders' wives, y'all come on. Brandon, Scott, come on. There you are. Oh, you got it. Never mind. You can do it. <laughs> Alan is the homecoming king, Matt says. We're all sitting, we're all around, we're all around Alan. That's great. Matt, will you pray over Alan, over the rest of us and our church? Jesus, you're pretty awesome. And, um, I think you bring this man here today uh, to serve you here, and we thank you for that. And I think I heard you speaking a while ago when Carly Bieber said that mostly she did whatever they needed. So I pray for Alan to do whatever we need, whatever you need, whatever this church needs. Um, and I think I also heard you, Jesus, saying that uh, the words, I particularly urge you to pray. So to Alan and all the elders, um, to Dan and Brandon and Dr. Mike, coming back, uh, I would particularly urge you to pray, Jesus, I, I ask that you put in their hearts uh, a particular need to pray. And Jesus Craig said, participate two or three times. So as we all sit around this circle, Jesus, I pray that all of us, all of us, know that we're called to participate. And I pray that all of us know that we are particularly called to pray. Jesus, our church needs you as it does always, but I think right now we need you. And what our church probably needs is for us to pray to you. So Jesus, I ask that you help us all to pray to you. And you help us all to pray for this man as he serves. Amen. 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 Thank you, Matt. Will you guys give these guys a hand for leading us faithfully? Thank you guys for leading us. I'm going to let y'all hop off. Thanks. Thank you for leading us. <laughs> Got them all going. Take this one, Dan. The last few verses of Hebrews 13 say this. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. <laughs> I love that. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. And if he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. 
Those from Italy send their greetings. Grace and peace be with you all. The writer is passing the peace. I want to invite you to live into these truths. Uh, We're learning in his word to be a peacemaker. And before we can be a peacemaker out there in the world, we need to be at peace with one another in here. I want us to end this message by passing the peace. Um, We regularly have a chance to respond after the sermon um, today, before you participate in communion, I'd like you to pass the peace, to encourage one another, to bless one another, to pray for one another, and if necessary, to reconcile with one another. When we pass the peace around here, we do it a real simple way. It's real easy. We just walk up to someone Troy, how about you come up? Come up. I'll call call you out. You get to participate. I didn't ask you if you'd participate. Hey, can I just say this is the best guy ever. I just want to say that real quick. Thank you for leading these guys. All these guys. Thank you for leading these guys. So we passed the peace. Uh, It just goes like this. I, I I would say to Troy, peace be with you. And Troy would speak back to me. Peace also with you and also with you. And we could fist bump. Or we could hug. Is that cool? Could we hug? We have a guy that uh, led, our student, uh, led in our student ministry for a long time, Chris Warbach. And when Chris passes the peace, he hugs like this, and then he marks the person with a cross. So may the peace of God be with you, and then you would speak back and also with you. So how about I just say a prayer? I know this is a little bit nervous for some of you about hugging or speaking to somebody else, but just want to invite you. It's okay. It's okay. May the peace of God be with you and also with you. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word and thank you for the examples of people in our faith family who are living out your word boldly and beautifully. I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy and in peace, we would lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, are our God. We thank you for your peace that passes all understanding. We thank you for the peace that you give us. May we reflect your peace to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.